Peace, everybody. I'm Tom Golke, and you are listening to An Unpromising Hope, a podcast about faith and agnostic hope. Uh, welcome uh, to our very first uh, episode ever. Uh, glad that you are uh, with me as we begin uh, this journey. Uh, a couple things you should know. Uh, first, uh, this podcast uh, is based on the book by the same name, An Unpromising Hope, finding hope outside of promise for an agnostic church and for those of us who find it hard to believe. So if you like the stuff that you hear here, uh, know that you can also order the book and uh, uh, dig a little deeper and uh, go into some really spectacular footnotes that will take you on whole other journeys than we are exploring here. Uh, secondly, uh, if you're listening in audio form on a podcast, know that you can also find this content over on YouTube, of course, for free. Uh, and there you can also si find some slides that accompany uh, the podcast, uh, which means it feels a little bit like you're in a virtual classroom. Uh, and you can see those slides that I think uh, will help a little bit uh, with some of the stuff we are going to be digging into. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with me, know that you can find me uh, at the website. That is my name, Tom Magalke, G-A-U-L-K-E uh, dot com. Uh, and there you can find my uh, email address and you can find some other stuff that might be helpful. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch, if you'd like to find ways to collaborate and so on. Uh, so again, everyone, I'm really glad uh, you are uh, with me and that you're willing to go on this journey with me. And I, I'm just incredibly excited uh, to dig into this content content about hope and uh, agnostic faith. Uh, so welcome, everyone. And uh, let's begin. When Jürgen Moltmann set out to write A Theology of Hope, which was published in 1964, he explicitly did so under the philosophical influence of both uh, Ernst Bloch's philosophy of hope and uh, also the praxis and ideologies of the student movements of his day. Uh, Bloch's ability to bridge personal spirituality with collectively utopian dreams uh, left a new opening for people of faith to enter uh, into a conversation about changing the world. You see, uh, for Bloch, the mystical life was not only for those who would wait for the by and by, rather, uh, the mystical life also contained a spirit that could stir a body of people, filling them with longing for a better society and uh, solidaritous dreams of a better life. Moltmann uh, perceived this opening in Bloch, and uh, he went in. <laughs> and as he did, he began to construct a theology, his own theology, uh, a theology that for him and for those uh, who would follow him would uh, be both explicitly Christian and explicitly hopeful. But, uh, and this is important, uh, not simply hopeful for a high in the sky when we die, but also uh, hopeful in a this-worldly sense. Uh, by the way, we're going to be talking a lot more about Bloch in the next episode, so uh, don't worry uh, if you want more of him. I'm not uh, uh, leaving him here. Uh, we're going to come back to him uh, when we get to the next episode. Uh, you see, uh, Moltmann uh, came into this conversation, this conversation about hope, uh, uh, with a special concern for two practical questions. Uh, the first one was, uh, why don't protesting students pray? And the second one was, why don't praying students protest? 
Implicit in these questions is Moltmann's conviction that both prayer and protest alike are related. They're related uh, because they're both outward as well as potentially communal expressions of an inward hope. Moltmann's task, which of course flowed from these questions then, was to write theologically in a way that would feed Christian hope so that praying Christians would finally be moved to protest for change, while at the same time also naming the sacred in the work of the folks who were already uh, politically active. Attempting to lay a foundation, uh, Moltmann posited that any Christian theology of hope, including his own, should contain and engage at least three essential concepts. A, uh, the concept of the divine promise uh, in the Old Testament. B, the concept of the raising of the crucified Christ as God's future for the world in the New Testament. And C, an understanding of human history as the mission of the kingdom of God today. In Moltmann, uh, the promise of God instills and verifies in people like us something of a Christian hope, a hope uh, which then leads the faithful, he says, into participation in God's mission and God's work in the world. This promise into mission motif with its movement from divine promise uh, into human participation in any even agitation toward that promise from praying to protesting, in other words. Uh, from 1964 onward, uh, uh, it was quickly picked up from Moltmann's work and spread uh, to various corners of Christendom. Uh, here, it took on a life of its own, uh, especially in the global south, as it was incorporated into various liberation theologies and faith-led social and political movements. Subsequently, it found linguistic expression in the congregational and denominational mission statement projects of the ecumenical West. Missiological paradigms shifted among denominations, especially uh, of the mainline churches, from going to all nations baptizing. Uh, many of our churches now began to emphasize something else, something like participation in God's kingdom work, uh, relocating our emphases right from the going out of the Great Commission uh, to some combination of the love presented by Jesus uh, in the greatest commandment to love and participation in, quote, his kingdom work, uh, uh, the work uh, that is called the Missio Dei, uh, uh, most often expressed in Jesus' mission statement uh, adapted from Luke 4 uh, with a special emphasis on bringing good news to the poor. In this frame, uh, the mission is God's, and the prayer for God's reign to come is about hope for the here and now on earth, even as God's people participate in the promise of the reign's in-breaking fruition. In other words, piety and praxis uh, become inseparable. Christianity, uh, to use Moltmann's words, becomes the, the community of those who, on the ground of the resurrection of Christ, wait for the kingdom of God, and uh, so it follows, whose life is determined, directed, shaped, and moved by this expectation. God's promise in this frame uh, gives the life and the activity of the uh, believer meaning 
and shape. There's no doubt uh, that Moltmann gave shape to an important Christian theology, absolutely. Grounded in promise, in Christ, uh, and in resurrection hope, uh, his theology helps praying Christians of the world to be moved into faithful protest and action. No doubt, this theology has inspired believers to live into the promise of God as received by faith and to participate in world-changing work. And that's all wonderful and great, but here's my beef. Moltmann, despite all of that awesome still holds on uh, to something not so great. You see, Moltmann, in all of his wonderful work, especially uh, as he begins to write about hope, uh, Moltmann, I think, still holds on to something of an air of what today we call Christian supremacy. For example, Early in his work, Moltmann claims that, quote, Christian hope alone is realistic. Uh, on that same page, he also uh, talks about the, quote, sin of despair. Uh, for all of the hope that Moltmann offers, uh, it's still, in the end, uh, hope meant for a church full of believers and hope that is to be dispensed, stewarded, and an enacted by the church community, a community that counts despair, uh, in his words, as an alienation from or uh, some sort of offense toward God, in my opinion. And of course, with all due respect, I, I, I think this is curious. Um, and I actually think it's a little disturbing for a person who relied so heavily on Ernst Bloch, a, a Jewish atheist, and the subject of following episodes in this podcast, uh, it's, it's, it's curious for someone who relied so much on Ernst Bloch as he penned his own theology. So, uh, the questions I'm going to raise uh, in the following episodes are, uh, of course, going to be distinct uh, from those Boltmann was asking so many decades ago. And, 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 and that's because my task uh, is different. You see, I want to speak of a hope that's not so much for the uh, already believers or aspiring believers as it is for those who don't, uh, who can't, or who won't believe. That is here as we gather together for this podcast. I'm less worried about uh, those among us who pray being moved into protest uh, than I am about agnostics, atheists, and belief-fluid folks finding and fueling a hope of their own, a hope that uh, doesn't require belief in the coming fruition of a promise or in an, in an understanding of a God, uh, a hope that uh, doesn't cast shame or judgment on those of us who experience despair, and, uh, and a hope that doesn't mark the hopeless ones as ones who are somehow lost uh, or in bondage uh, to a special kind of despairing sin. 
As a pastor, uh, it's clear to me uh, that despair is absolutely no sin against God or against hope. Indeed, the experience of despair is one of the primary reasons we summon hope and gods in the first place. I'm concerned also uh, with those in our faith communities who uh, are fed by faith communities and yet uh, remain uncertain about God and certainly uncommitted uh, to dogma. In my own experience, uh, in in Lutheran churches, in in Nebraska, in Wisconsin, in Chicago, uh, in Cicero, there are often uh, more community members who fit uh, the description of agnostic uh, than those who do not. As a pastor and as a person, I, you know, I usually fit this description myself. Yet, like these community members, I'm still committed to building a spiritual community that's grounded in love, a, a church community that uh, feeds people now literally and that works for a world where uh, nobody goes hungry. Uh, where our beliefs remain uncertain, we nevertheless share a hope uh, without belief. And our shared hope shapes our shared community and our shared mission simultaneously. <laughs> whether, believe, whether we believe, uh, whether we're agnostic, or whether we don't believe at all. So, from my concern for agnostic hopers, uh, for those who can't cling to a promise tightly, and uh, for uncertain faith communities, uh, 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 from those concerns arise two guiding questions. And these are the questions that are going to shape our journey uh, as we dig through these wonderful authors and materials and writings together. The first one is this. The first one is, where might we look for hope outside of promise? And I'll unpack that a little bit more later. And the second one's related. Uh, where might we find hope for an agnostic church? And for those of us who find it hard to believe. <laughs> the adventure uh, that we're going to take and, and that's guided by these particular questions, I like to call uh, the pursuit of, a, uh, of an unpromising hope. That is a hope that doesn't need a promise in order, you know, to keep on hoping. <laughs> In this podcast, uh, we're going to, in order to engage these questions, uh, spend some time together uh, digging through some thinkers, some theologians, uh, a bunch of people, uh, each of whom were a part of some kind of spiritual community, very loosely defined, uh, and yet sought after and spoke about hope in a way uh, that was set apart from belief in promises or a belief in a well-defined God. Uh, as we do that, uh, we're going to find together along the way that hope uh, quite often has a lot more to do with homesickness, with hunger, with holler, with pain, and even with trepidation than it has to do with belief or with some sort of certainty, uh, as do, I think, uh, the communities that we call church. Uh, pastorally, as we dig through this stuff, I'm uh, quite concerned uh, with the spirit of our people, our, our community, and, and our faith communities. And, and I'm also concerned with feeding the spirit that fuels uh, communal works of love and liberative justice, a spirit that these days, uh, especially, we find uh, quite often to be uh, depleted. 
this concern that I have is shared with the thinkers we're going to spend some time with. And so I'm really uh, uh, excited about that. But just to say it again here, uh, this work uh, is pastorally concerned, especially for folks who cannot or will not believe in a promise or in a God of promises. I'm happy for the hope of believers. Congrats, y'all. Uh, good for you. Uh, uh, but you, uh, and that is not what this podcast is about. Rather, I uh, here am searching for a hope that will belong uh, to a more deeply agnostic church and to people like me who find it pretty difficult at any given moment to believe. Uh, uh, though I come to this work as a pastor and as a theologian, uh, my focus uh, is on finding an unpromising hope uh, wherever we can find it, right? It's important for me uh, especially to engage those outside of theological realms, outside of the realms uh, I usually inhabit, both because the question of hope is a question uh, that transcends theological conversations. That is, it's not just a religious question, uh, but, you know, it's a human question. And, uh, let's face it, theology folks, theological, theological people have often listened quite horribly. <laughs> More often than not, either silencing or ignoring the voices of those outside of our theological circles, sometimes even by force. Uh, either that or we distort them quite badly into something they never uh, intended to be. I don't want to do that here. I don't want to create a theology out of atheists' ideas, but rather what I want to do is engage in these ideas as an uncertain and agnostic theologian and pastor. In doing so, my intent is that the stuff we come up with here might be useful to theists, to atheists, and to agnostics alike. And, you know, to us <laughs> at any given moment when really uh, we might be anyone of those things. So, so, so these are our questions. Where might we look for hope outside of promise? And uh, uh, where might we find hope for an agnostic church and for those of us who find it hard to believe? Again, I know these are long questions, but, but they're going to make sense as we keep uh, uh, plugging along here and digging up the good stuff. Uh, uh, and I think, well, I know uh, that letting these questions guide us uh, uh, is going to bear uh, some really good fruit. So, in the next episode, uh, we'll start digging in, uh, beginning our journey through hope uh, strategically and on purpose with Ernst Bloch, the guy we mentioned earlier, uh, a mystical Jewish and atheist uh, and socialist, uh, a person who I genuinely believe should really be regarded as a grandparent or even godparent of a ton of the religious hoping, uh, a ton of the religious hoping uh, that's happened uh, through prayer and through protest throughout the 20th and 21st centuries. If you want to do some pre-reading, uh, please feel free to check out Bloch's books, uh, Spirit of Utopia, uh, or his uh, uh, three-volume work, Principle of Hope, although, uh, with fair warning, uh, uh, Principle of Hope is is pretty huge, and uh, it's language we're not necessarily uh, used to uh, in the stuff that we uh, tend to read these days. Uh, Y'all, I'm pretty sure if you like the idea of this topic of hope and of agnostic faith that you're probably going to enjoy at least some of the time we spend together uh, in this conversation. Uh, 
uh, and uh, in these slides. Uh, I know I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm just really gra grateful uh, that y'all are here and that we can have this conversation together. I'm Tom Galky. This is An Unpromising Hope, and I'll see you soon. Oh, and by the way, remember, if you find this stuff compelling at all, uh, remember that most of it and more is written in a book uh, that I put together and published uh, that has the exact same title of this podcast, An Unpromising Hope. Uh, and the benefit of that book, of course, is that book has footnotes, citations, and other ways of letting you know where a bunch of these quotes and ideas come from when I'm referring to them so you can refer to them as well. Okay, uh, that's it all. I'm Tom Galky, and this is An Unpromising Hope. I'll see you next time when we start to dig into Ernst Bloch and his philosophy of hope and hoping in an era of rising fascism. Uh, I'm stoked to be together, and uh, I'm really excited to keep this conversation going. Peace out. See you soon.